Hi, this is David Leibovitz. I'm back with another podcast episode. And if you want to get some show notes from this podcast episode, you can find me at davidleibovitz.substack.com, which is my newsletter. And you can subscribe to my newsletter and get podcast updates. You can get recipes, stories about Paris, and more. But today I'm in Brooklyn, New York, and we're discussing pastries, but we're discussing a different kind of pastry. And different kinds of pastries, I should say, because I've got a whole bunch of pastries in front of me. And also in front of me is one of my favorite people, Trig Brown. Hey, David. Hi, Trig. How are you? What a kind uh, introduction. Thank you so much. Well, there's going to be a lot more kind words thrown your way very shortly. Well, the feeling's mutual. You had opened this bakery called Windsun Bakery in Brooklyn in 2014 or 2016. We opened the restaurant in 2016. Okay. And... The restaurant's almost eight in, in May, and then the bakery opened in 2019. And it was only open six months before the pandemic hit, so it so, was pretty crazy. <laughs> so in the United States, when we think of a bakery, we often think of bakeries as being Eurocentric. Right. You know, people think of croissants or breads, you know, just like loaf breads. Yes. Um, there's American bakeries with pies and tarts. But you are a Taiwanese or would you say a Taiwanese-American bakery? Yeah, absolutely. The second or the first? The second. Okay. A Taiwanese-American. It's very much fusion. I think when we opened and we didn't have any sort of audience, uh-huh. we were scared of the word fusion because that kind of has a reputation, Yeah, especially in the aughts. And, mm-hmm. you know, late 90s, fusion was kind of like... Well, everything is... Like hamburgers are a fusion. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think we, we kind of wanted that to speak for itself. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we're Taiwanese-American. You know, that's our food. I'm not. I'm from Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. my, my business partner is from Queens and Long Island, but his family's from Taiwan. And our friendship was built over eating Taiwanese food and flushing. Well, you used to go to Queens and eat Taiwanese food together. Yes, yeah. And uh, so the idea of having a bakery, what... So... Tell me about, a little bit about Basically, that. after the restaurant was open for a few years and we kind of got a chance to breathe since, mm-hmm. you know, we were younger and didn't have, you know, I have like three kids now, mm-hmm. you know, we finally got a chance to catch our breath mm-hmm. and we went right into the next concept because we just wanted to keep going. And our brunch was uh, something we were really proud of and we loved doing, but it was only on the weekends for the restaurants. So, you know, we had this idea of opening up a spot across the street when it became available. And we figured that we could engage the neighborhood on a daily basis. Yeah, because people stop in here during the, like when I was waiting for you, people were stopping in for a coffee, for a pastry, right. for a donut. And we are actually going to taste, we have a bunch of things here to taste. Yeah. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. But going back to the authenticity question, which is a big thing. Yes. Um, I think, you know, it comes up every year at St. Patrick's Day. People say corned beef is not Irish because mm-hmm. Irish people came to America and they were used to using pork. But they right. found beef. Jewish neighbors had beef brisket, so they used that instead. Right. You know, Italian-American cuisine, people discovered canned tomatoes that were abundant in America. So we have these yeah. red sauce joints. And I was reading the book by the Walks of Life people, the family. I love their blog. Yeah. I love their book. I'm a big fan. Of, yeah. But they said when their mother came to America, she went to the supermarket and saw this produce. She's like, why isn't somebody guarding this? It was like yeah. this, you know, paradise. Right yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I love that. So we were talking a little bit about authenticity and, you know, that's what people do when they move to another country. They adapt using the new ingredients they find. Right. But I'm not an expert on Taiwanese food, but it seems to me that your pastries hue pretty close. Actually, they hue pretty close, but they're also 
I don't want to use the word improve, but you're using high quality ingredients. Right. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and like, you know, first of all, it's like great to be having this kind of discussion for a mm-hmm. podcast or what have you with mm-hmm. a chef. Cause already the way you're starting, it's just there's you know, so many tangential fun thoughts come up mm-hmm. with the way you're just asking the questions and you know, like the walks of life anecdote. Cause when we were opening Winsun, you know, we don't have you know, when I went to Taiwan with Josh, my partner, there are these mountain ferns and types yeah. of, you know, greens and st- that you just cannot get here. It's a different climate and yeah. uh, it's a Pacific island. <laughs> you know, there's a uh, hundred miles off the Southeast coast of China. So there's just not the same stuff to work with here. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good imported stuff. And my friend Lisa Chang Smith at Yunhai is doing crazy work with that importing business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, really making sauces beyond Kikamen available, uh-huh. soy sauces and bean paste and dried fruit, uh, you know, yeah. like crazy stuff. Like she's really blowing the lid off of what's available. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when we were opening Winsun, we, had, we were limited to what we could get at, you know, Chinese grocery stores yeah. and Flushing. And Park. Yes, and, which is great. Like those yeah. are the best vegetable markets almost, except mm-hmm. for the Union Square Green Market, mm-hmm. among a few other, you know, Favorite New York market. So I should probably just interrupt you. If people hear background noise, we're in the restaurant and they're set, they're working. So yeah, um, yeah. So just ignore the noise in the background. Yeah, many apologies. Doesn't bother me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm we're in New York. We're tight space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we appreciate any patience with that. But it is really interesting with the walks of life anecdote to be faced with cooking food from your home with American ingredients because it's kind of quite the opposite. At Winsum, we were trying to cook this food, like a, our version, you know, of Taiwanese food mm-hmm. with like J-Mart in Flushing was a place we went to a lot. It's a what, big grocery store. Japanese? No, it's a, uh, it's kind of like, a, it's in the New World Mall um, mm-hmm. where the food court is. It's it's the okay. upstairs market and it's just, it's huge. There's a ton of stuff. And since I've, I've gone to different go. markets, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, we go to Flushing. I, I live out there now, actually. Oh, okay. Um, and really because... Josh and his mom showed me grocery stores that I continued to go to mm-hmm. and I eventually started taking my dogs and then I had mm-hmm. kids and the schools out there are really good. So I live out there now. But uh, those grocery stores are definitely not the same grocery stores or markets you would find in Taiwan. So it's mm-hmm. all, in terms of authenticity, everything is fusion, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, it, it's impossible to really get, you know, to recreate Taiwan. And that's never what we've, what our goal has been. Mm-hmm. I, I've always liked to say that you know, Winsun Restaurant and Bakery are like kind of uh, our way of articulating the cultural impression that Taiwan has made on on Josh and I's friendship. And Danielle being folded. Danielle and I Danielle work, Spencer is the pastry chef here. Yes. She's, she's uh, wonderful, by the way. Incredible. She's incredible. Yeah. We we worked together at Kraft over 10 years ago mm-hmm. with my wife, who was, you know, a line cook with me. Danielle and I took care of the uh, AM production, savory and mm-hmm. uh, sweet for a long time together and uh, we just became great friends. Just to, to distinguish, you know, they in Taiwan, savory pastries and mm-hmm. breakfast items are almost just as commonplace as sweet confections and pastries that like we were talking about earlier, Eurocentric uh, croissants and regular bakery fare that you would normally think of. Well, when I worked, at, I was a pastry chef at a Chinese and Southeast Asian restaurant and Bruce Cost was the owner chef. And I remember when I started, we were talking and he said, just you know that they don't have dessert culture in, you know, these countries. They don't eat dessert like we do in America. They don't have like a piece of cake or pie or tart for dessert. 
most pastries are consumed in the afternoon or during the day. Mm -hmm. And that was fine because I sort of adapted to right. that. But I actually wrote to a woman, and I forgot her name. I'll put her in the show notes too, if I remember. She's a Chinese-American woman. And I said, is that true? I'm just fact-checking this. She goes, well, nowadays they're starting to serve like cheesecake for dessert and yeah. so forth in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in China. But your pastries are part savory, part sweet. Yeah, exactly. So it definitely continues with the theme of fusion. I think the bakery is even it more embraces the, you know, the fusion nature of our cuisine. And the restaurant is kind of like the certain dishes we created or cooked, you know, and that, that call out to moments in my partner and I's friendship. You know, like the fly's head, for instance, is something that we the fly's ate. head. Yeah, it's okay. called fly's head because the fermented black beans they look like fly's heads. Okay, sangingto is okay. the is the Chinese name for it. But it's like you know, it's not even the most Taiwanese dish that I would think of. It's just, you know, it's a dish that we ate a lot in flushing together. Mm -hmm. And learning about that and the the deft way that the cooks were handling this vegetable forward, like mm -hmm. pork dish, mm -hmm. was impressive and delicious. And mm -hmm. so basically, while the restaurant hearkens to, you know, the cultural impression that Taiwan has made on Josh and I's friendship, mm -hmm. the, these dishes are specific allusions to certain experiences we had in Flushing, Queens eating Taiwanese food, or going to Taiwan eating Taiwanese food. The bakery, while it certainly does the same thing, we also had this goal to have our brunch culture mm. at the restaurant not just be like a weekend thing, like mm -hmm. a weekend recurring pop-up for brunch, uh -huh. right? Breakfast culture in Taiwan is so distinct and incredible. So in Taiwan, I've been to Vietnam and I've been to Thailand, right. but I haven't been to Taiwan or Singapore. I'm trying to, Singapore is on my list for next year. Yeah. But what do people eat for breakfast in Taiwan? So probably a dojang or soy milk. Okay, warm soy milk. Yeah, you can get it, okay. if it's in the summer, you're gonna get it cold. Mm -hmm. And depending on the beans and how, how good the beans are, mm -hmm. you know, plain soy milk is almost unfathomable to, I think, to the average American. You know, you think silk and you think of like a coffee yeah. substitute, creamer substitute. Mm -hmm. But in Taiwan, it's like a, it's a bean milk that is consumed for a lot of reasons and celebrated. Uh, so it's a but, breakfast thing. Yeah. And you can get it cold plain. You can get it cold sweet. You can and, get it hot plain or hot sweet. Or you can get salty soy milk. Okay. And salty soy milk. That sounds like, good. That's actually, my favorite. It's like a, it's, so you curdle the soybean milk. Mm -hmm. Um with vinegar and, okay. and, and it creates this incredible foamy texture and the water and the, you know, it's, it separates. Yeah. Right? There's and, a, in Arabic countries, there's a, it's like fermented milk with salt, oh, yes. which is really good. Mm -hmm. So the pastries we have in front of us, a lot of people tend to speak in hyperbole and they often say the best and they go on, on all these things. But this really is one of my favorite places in the world. And I actually, I live in Paris. I live 3,000 miles away <laughs> and I still dream about eating here. Oh, that <laughs> makes, that's like the best compliment we could ever receive. Thank yeah. you. I mean, it's a memory, like the food is memorable. It's delicious. It's interesting. It's not too sweet. Yeah. A lot of people go, I don't like sweets. You know, things lean toward the savory side, even the sweet, like the mochi donuts. So will you tell us what we have? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Have so I, I brought like some of our most popular items um, okay. and some stuff that I know you like. So okay. I, I would say that this bacon, egg and cheese pancake, it's a, it's a scallion pancake cooked in this funny form. There's so much flour pancake. So it, this is actually just regular. It's a, it's a, 
slightly bromated, like regular bread flour. Okay. I buy mine from this purveyor called Federa Foods, which, okay. is, which is ironically not Italian owned. <laughs> it's like okay. Federa food with like Chinese characters under. Yeah, so mm -hmm. you think it's Italian or something, okay. but it's, it's not. So what's great about it, it's almost like an omelet in a way, yeah. but like it's crunchy and that's the flour I'm assuming. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We let it get really crispy. It's a it, super hydrated dough, tepid, okay. warm water dough. It's got scallions and bacon in it. Yeah, scallions and bacon. Oh, we have the, you know, you can get it with a vegetarian. The shortening is really good if you use bacon fat or, mm -hmm. or pork fat or duck fat. Okay. I think beef fat to me has a too strong of a flavor, but uh, yeah, for the and pancakes. Yeah, it gets hard at room time. It's a little. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, for frying, it's great, but like, you know, as a shortening. So it's, so yeah, tepid water dough. You mix it, max out the hydration. Mm -hmm. You slick it with oil right out of the mixer mm -hmm. and, and shape it into balls. And you have and, a cookbook as well with all the recipes in it. We do. We okay. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a cookbook. It came out this last year. We had to write it during the pandemic. That's God. a good time to write a cookbook because yeah. there's nothing to do. Well, except for if you're trying to make your restaurant survive. Yeah, so that's it true. was it was tough. Right. But God bless Kathy Irway, who helped us compose the cookbook and kept everything on the tracks. Okay, um, so the next thing is something like this is probably my favorite thing in the bakery. Thank you. And these are rice rolls. And can you yeah, tell us a little the, bit of rice rolls doesn't sound that interesting. Yes. No, I get it. it. It's funny, right? Yeah. People call them little rice burritos, rice rolls. Like people don't quite know what they are. And, and I'm actually uh, going to eat one. Please. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, be ASMR. Will you uh, tell people what it is while yes. I eat it? So it's called a uh, fontuan. And uh, mm. yeah, mm. It, <laughs> it's basically glutinous rice, short grain glutinous rice grown in California, Coda mm. Farms. They're wonderful. There's pickles in there. Yeah, there's there's uh, salted radishes. Uh -huh. um, so this is like a, a play of textures, right? Mm -hmm. So you have the the glutinous rice is like an insanely cute texture. Mm -hmm. Just to describe it to people listening. So it's our, a roll of rice yes. and inside this roll. We have egg, egg, a fried egg, pork floss, a rosung, uh -huh. salted. Which is like long cooked pork. It's like a dried pork that's shredded on a on like a grater, but mm -hmm. like a basket usually. It's, it's like really fine beef jerky, but pork jerky. Mm -hmm. You know, they have scallop floss, pork floss. Uh, it's awesome. They actually make it in the States too. So then we have salted radish, mm -hmm. scallions, and then a sweet bean paste. Okay, so it's like a roll. And then you steam it or is it? Uh, so we steam the rice ahead uh -huh. of time and keep it in a rice warmer. Mm -hmm. And then we mash out the rice into a little football shape. Okay. And then we put the egg on and then everything kind of stays bound in, by the glutinous rice and okay. the egg. And when we roll it up like a torchon. With like a crunchy donut in the middle. Yeah, sorry, that's, I forgot about okay, the, yeah. the, the, the <laughs> yotao. That's that noise. Yeah, the, the yotao is like, uh, you know, and if you're in Taiwan, you'll see them making the yotao right on the, on the street. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, it's awesome. And you fry them in these long, you basically stretch out these long, stretches of dough with mm -hmm. baker's ammonium. So it fries really thin, really and airy and crispy. Yeah. And they put chopsticks or a, bam, a small like rod in between. Mm -hmm. They kind of press it down in, in the middle and it creates like a, it's like a like eye layer. Okay. So, so, so when it fries, there's like, there are always two pieces. So can somebody make this at home? Like is the recipe, and if, if I, honestly, could I that, make it? Totally. Okay. You could totally make it at home. The Asian markets sell the Yotao. Okay. Um, and I've seen it in Paris, actually. Yeah, yeah. they're very common. They're, if, if anybody has a machine to make it they, mm -hmm. th and produce it, then it's easy. But it's very hard to make at home. My friend Rich Ho from Ho Foods, another mm -hmm. Taiwanese restaurant, he's really good at making them. And Danielle's made some really good ones, too, actually. Okay. But it's such a process that yeah. it just makes more sense to 
to purchase. So after this scallion pancake, I'm going to take a bite. There's a sauce with it. Yeah, that's a uh, we call it ginger deluxe. It's like a mm. a house sauce, you know, a house based mayo sauce. It's spiked with ginger and scallions, and it has fermented bean Oops. curd or dofuru. I just dropped my the filling in the sauce. Yeah, that's okay. You can fish it out there later. That's actually a bonus. Mm. So mm. this is kind of a take on. It's like a sandwich take on this Taiwanese crepe called danbing. And we, mm. we actually served the danbing on the brunch menu at the restaurant. And we started doing this for family meal with, you know, after brunch was over, we'd make them. And we, we always had more pancakes around than danbing because of these mm. little delicate crepes. And it's a lighter dish. Yeah. That's like a, is it like a bing? They call it in Chinese. I think it's Chinese. That yeah. It's a crepe yeah, with that, egg. That, it's kind of the same, a similar spelling. In Taiwan, they're danbing, and that's the crepe, the thin crepe that's rolled up and it's softer and, it, and it's chewier. And the one in the jiangbing, this is really which good. That is a, a much larger, flakier crepe. And mm -hmm. it, so they fold it a bunch of times, and it's a flaky, thin crepe with so bean paste. And I would eat this every day for breakfast. Like somebody asked me, I was a guest on a podcast <laughs> the other day, and they said, What's your favorite breakfast? <laughs> And it was, he sort of hammered me with, um, yeah. it was like speed round. Right. And I was like, whoa, 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 slow down. And he said, what's your favorite breakfast? And I said, uh, grainy toast, grainy bread toast yes. with salted butter and buckwheat honey. Oh. And he was kind of shocked. Yeah. But like, I would, this, I would eat this for breakfast. I have to teach Roman how to make this. <laughs> uh, I, I'm happy to show you before you leave. We produce thousands every week in, in our commissary production kitchen nearby, which we can go see after this. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take you up on that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, for me, the, the key is to resting that dough. After mm -hmm. you slick it with oil and portion it into the portions, you have to let it... I learned how to make these from Spanish speakers from Puebla, ironically, not Taiwanese folks. Um, mm -hmm. And they, uh, they say it's ready or listo cuando se pongan triste. Um, okay. So like when they get sad. And it's like the, okay. the, the dough ball really has to deflate. Mm -hmm. And then it's really soft and pliable and easy to work with. You know, the touches on the dough can be once or twice or three or four times. And then mm -hmm. you're, and you're not overworking the dough, mm -hmm. but you can shape it and stretch it and roll it and press it with scallions and salt and MSG and shortening. Mm -hmm. And then you coil them up. You know, there's a, it's a whole process. It's kind of a, yeah. a pain in the ass. One thing but, that's very interesting <laughs> about Asian cuisine versus like French cuisine. French cuisine is like layered you know, it's baked, it's cooked, it's simmered, it's stewed, herbs. Yeah. And then a lot of Asian foods are made in the wok or right. in the skillet. Yeah. You might have a dough, you might have noodles or something, but it happens there. Yeah. It's like, that's the moment. Well, you know, this could be a misconception in of itself, but I was in Spain recently with my friend Chris and Chris Grosso. He's like an extremely talented man of many hats. And I've learned a lot about wine from him and we were eating in these amazing places and drinking these amazing wines in Catalonia. And he was saying, you know, closer to the coast, there's a lot of frying mm -hmm. and hot cooking because the branches and the, the wood is small, literally thinner and smaller. Mm -hmm. And that kind of struck me as, as super interesting. And I don't know if that applies to like East Asian food, but that is, mm -hmm. a lot of it is coastal and it does kind of make sense just in terms of cooking methods, mm -hmm. uh, hot, fast when I grew up, I'm <clears throat> twice your age, you know, it was the, in the 70s and 60s, and my mother, I remember she would buy things like Le Choy noodles in a can, mm. soy sauce. And I remember when I moved to California, and people were talking about bread, like Chinese breads and right. Asian breads. I was like, what? What well, people eat bread? And there's this misconception that everybody eats rice. Yeah. 
And there are a lot of flour-based pastries in different countries. I mean, yeah. it's hard to talk about Chinese food because there's, you know, it's like American thousands food. of it's cultures. Just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a myriad of in influences. One. Yeah. So moving on to the sweet side of things. Yeah. There's four different things here, and one of them is a mochi donut. Yeah, so that's like, aside from the bacon pancake, what is the mochi, mochi donut, donut is the most famous Winston Bakery pastry. This and, one in front of me. Yeah. And it looks like a regular donut. Yeah, it looks regular, but it utilizes, so mochi um, uh, utilizes sweet. Can I just take a bite out of it? Please, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good bite. The ASMR is good on that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> There's something in there that's like extra good. Yeah. When you bite into it, there's a juice that's tangy. What is that? I'm not sure. The tangy mm. tanginess. Should I take a bite and yeah. examine? We'll see who takes the bigger bite. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's like the salty sweet interplay with okay. the ginger and cardamom. Okay, because it's amazing. Yeah, um, it does almost taste like, yeah. At first I was like, oh my God, is this dough fermented or something? Yeah. But no, it, it's like, mm, that's it's just the sharp. spiky. But also it's the... There's a distinct flavor with the rice flour. Mm -hmm. So how do you make a mochi, like yeah. an American style donut is flour, water, egg, whatever, fried. Yeah. What makes a mochi donut mochi donut? So it's the sweet rice flour. Okay. And, and this is, is for- sticky, is it sticky rice or is it just rice? Well, flour? yeah, so sweet rice is the same thing as glutinous rice, which is the same thing as sticky rice. It's okay. like they live in the same world and it's not- It's, it's really it's, good. Yeah, it's amazing. And Danielle has made, uh, has used that dough to make gluten-free buns. So mm -hmm. like gluten-free folks love our bakery because we have a breakfast sandwich that they can eat. Yeah, they can okay. eat the pancake sandwich, but they can have a, a mochi bun mm -hmm. with bacon and eggs on it. And yeah, and the rice roll is... And the rice roll, we can do it without the, it the yocho. Sauce. Yeah, we can make it. We can remove certain things mm -hmm. and make it. But really, it, it is sad though because the the yotel has flour in it, and ah. the best part about it is that textural contrast. Okay, but there's stuff here. People can come who are gluten free. Vegan certainly yes is possible here as well. A hundred percent. And vegetarian and vegan at the restaurant is like a huge like it, we never made it our mission to be like vegetarian and vegan mm -hmm. friendly. I just like to cook vegetables. <laughs> there was this whole thing years ago about people like we hate vegetarians and vegetarian vegans should die and all that stuff. I'm like why? Like, <laughs> yeah. and even people who don't like gluten free, they're like gluten-free stupid i'm like i actually love polenta yeah. you know i love yeah. rice i love yeah. raspberries i love and look coffee. at what danielle's done with this donut she's really yeah. i mean people are freaking out still five years six years into the bakery about how good this donut is as mm -hmm. as they should uh, i mean it's amazing the mochi donut is crazy it's, but crazy. it's also hot i kind of want more of it you fry them to order though yeah we fry them to order okay. and we've been you know talking for a little bit so it's cooled down a little bit but i think you know most people get it and they're they're still hot you know, the, the dough is just, it's just eggs and milk and, and butter uh -huh. and sweet rice flour. It's it, delicious. And I've had mochi donuts that are gluey mm -hmm. and they're not my favorite texture. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't mind gluey things, but they're a little too like, yeah, this yeah. is really great because she found a way at Danielle, the pastry chef. Yeah. If she's listening, hello, Danielle. She found a way to make it so it still has that, a little glueiness to it, but it's not like, yeah having trouble swallowing it. Yeah, I think I think that has to do with the natural, you know, lens of of her experience, right? Mm -hmm. She's a Danielle She's and I been worked here at Kraft. since the beginning. Well, since the beginning of the bakery. Yeah, okay. we opened the bakery together. Okay. Um, she was like in the trenches with me every day. Like we, okay. we you know, we we had this ambitious goal of opening at 7 a.m. because we're 
also a coffee shop and we had to yeah. make sure that people could come and get coffee on their way to work and okay. serve them breakfast on the way to work. And uh, that was uh, <laughs> that was too much. And the pandemic, after the pandemic hit, we reoriented and now we open at 9 a.m. and we're yeah. closed on Mondays. Well, but, I remember Tartine Bakery when it opened in San Francisco, the bread was available at five o'clock in the afternoon, I think five o'clock. And they were like, we don't want to get up. We want to have like yeah. regular a regular life. Right. And it was fine. In Paris, it's amazing. You go to these bakeries at like 7 or 8 a.m. and like all the cases are full of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, ooh. I, sometimes I wake up early, especially if I'm jet lagged or something. It might be like 4 a.m. and they won't serve you any. You know, you can't right. buy anything. I was, But I was in Iceland once and I went to a bakery. <laughs> and he goes, we're here 24 hours. Like if people want to buy a loaf of bread, we just walk in. The, we'll sell them a loaf of bread. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So... There's something else that looks like a donut here, but it's not. It's like so, a big shoe puff almost. Yeah. So I think you've had the bolo bao, which Danielle created. Is This is the bolo bao. That, that, Ooh, yeah. It's, so <gasps> this is the twice baked bolo bao. It's monumental. It, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy good. Oh. I think this is one of my favorite things that she does outside the mochi donut. But Okay. So it, I just tore it open <laughs> and I just, it's like this flaky dough inside. And then there's something, it looks like red beans. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a take on a twice-baked almond croissant, but with red bean paste. So these bowl of bao that she makes, she and my partner Josh and one of our other chefs, Brian, they went to Taiwan right before we opened the bakery. And I already been that year, so I didn't, I didn't get to go on that trip, which I feel bad. I well, wish I could have mm. been there, but we thought we were going to open like right when they got back. And, uh, mm. you know, she was at this bakery called Angel Bake and they mm. did a laminated bowl of bao. So if you walk into any Chinese bakery or any Taiwanese bakery, you'll see bolo bao and they mm -hmm. look like concha and there's usually a milk bread and conchas are like uh, they're latin pastries yeah mexican that look like shells yeah. yes yes and 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 you latin know they're american i should say well th yeah there I is guess. this like manila acapulco trade route uh -huh. that like taiwan got caught up in like a similar you know there's a lot of mercantile european influence in mm -hmm. taiwan so like to know whether the concha from mexico is the original concha or whether it's from hong kong is who knows? Yeah, well, it's like uh, croissant. They're not really from France, probably. They, you know, people say they're from Austria. Oh wow, well, yeah. But everybody associates them with France, right? Um, macaroons are Italian, you know. Yeah, yeah. like French macaroons. I'm like, well, they're actually yeah. from, you know, <laughs> and they're probably from Arabic countries. Right. They made almond pastries before, and Italy was part Arabic, and so yes, forth. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I love history. Like I, the most I've learned about Taiwanese food is reading history books about Taiwan yeah. because then you can contextualize influences and kind of figure out where to go from. But, but this is definitely one of the most like Eurocentric pastries that Danielle makes because mm -hmm. it's in its original form before it's baked for the second time. Mm -hmm. It's a big flaky pastry, this beautiful corrugated mm -hmm. crust. And, and it's like a cookie crust on top of a laminated pastry, like a mm -hmm. Queen Amon shape. Mm -hmm. But it also references New York and we're here in Williamsburg, which was a predominantly Jewish area. Now it's very mixed. Yeah. But it tastes like a lot of the pastries from Eastern Europe where they have almonds on top and almond paste. I don't think there's almond paste in there or maybe there is on top. Okay. I think she makes an almond cream. Oh, okay. I'm going to spend it. Next time I come to Brooklyn, I'm going to spend a day with her. Yeah, you should. That would make her very happy. It would make um, me happy. <laughs> yeah. She would love that. I would um, eat all the profits. So there's yeah. another pastry here and it looks almost like an apple tart. 
Yeah. But it's probably not. So Nian Gao in Taiwan, the way my partner introduced it to me, is like a really thick glutinous rice cake that until it's warm, it's almost hard to eat it. <laughs> yeah. I'm grabbing a huge fork. Huge fork. <laughs> Do you mind? No, yeah. please, please. Basically, it's, a, it's eaten during the Lunar New Year, and sometimes it's sliced and fried with sweet potatoes, and mm-hmm. it's really delicious. But Danielle kind of took this riff on it where she she mixed it with, with regular flour. So it's not entirely... Oh, no, actually, she does. It's totally gluten-free now. Okay. But she's she's treated it like a cake, and it's like a baked version of the mochi donut. Yeah, because it has that spongy texture. Yeah. And in Taiwan, that chewy, spongy, that's called Q. You know, you have it in boba, you have it in, in, in rice flour, pastries, you have it in noodles. Q in- is the bounciness. I remember learning more about Asian pears, as we call them, in, or they used to call them 20th century pears. Oh. And a lot of them don't have a lot of flavor, but they're valued for texture. Right. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, as you know, a lot of Asian food is, it's about the texture. Yes. Not just the flavor. Right. And I was, then it changed my view of Asian pears. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what they're about. Yes. So this cookie here, it looks like, yeah, it looks like a big American cookie. And it's funny because um, being in New York, I just got a cookie at a bakery. Yeah. And it was a pretty tiny cookie and it was like five fifty. Oh, man. I was man. like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, a friend, a local friend, he goes, New York is now, it's $5 a cookie. Yeah, that's crazy. So, I mean, it's not crazy, but it's, it's, no. you know, stuff costs money, rents yeah. are high. It's just... But it didn't have anything in it. Like, there was no chocolate. It wasn't like chocolate chips or nuts or anything. It was just, just a snickerdoodle for five bucks. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? But it's how, you know, I know it's, it's a very expensive city, so yeah, yeah, I don't complain about prices. Well, you know, during the pandemic, Danny has, like, a really bad asthma. So for a couple months, we were scared about what COVID did, you know, mm-hmm. to you. So... You know, mm-hmm. I, we opened up takeout limited menu, and one of the first things I did was put a cookie on the menu, mm-hmm. and uh, a dozen cookies for takeout only. You know, it was okay. a dozen cookies and a quart of bat and kill milk for like, you know, I was like, I think people sitting at home with nothing to do are going to yeah. totally yeah, eat yeah. this, uh, and not nothing to do, but working from home, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> and you know, and they did, they sold really well. But actually, my partner Josh, his. Uh, his girlfriend had brought some cookies to a party and mm-hmm. they were so good. During I love, COVID? Wait, wait, wait. This was whoa, whoa, whoa. before okay. COVID. Okay. <laughs> but it was in my mind when I was developing this recipe because it, I, I got offline. It was like an espresso powder laced chocolate chip cookie. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But I punched out with a lot of salt and I, I'm a salt freak. Yeah, um, I am too. I, yeah, I love salt. And Danny does too. She's like, well, all, that's what her pastries are so good because mm-hmm. they we kind of have the same profile preferences in that mm-hmm. sense. Like it's... We love sweets for sure, but like sweet almost tastes more sweet when it's balanced with a touch with of salt. salt. Yeah. I once was doing a cooking demonstration, a baking demo, and I was talking to people. I said, I don't really like sweets. And everyone started laughing. And I was like, <laughs> what, what, what? And people are like, well, you, yeah. Yeah. You're <laughs> the king of sweets. You do. Yeah, yeah. But I don't like sugary stuff. Like, yeah. I don't mind like Queen Yaman and macaroons. Everyone, people yeah. are like, French pastries don't have a lot of sugar. I'm like, well, yeah, 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 yeah. But like it's your, it's right. You know, this different kinds of flour in this cookie that I'm eating, and dark chocolate and salt. Yeah, and there's malted something. Yeah. I so suspect. we was also after Danielle like perfected the recipe when I mm-hmm. when she came back from the COVID break. You know, my cookie was really good, but like Danielle like made it like mm-hmm. really good. And then I was like, Danny, one thing that I wanted to do, but I you know couldn't quite get there. You know, because I was like baking here in the morning and then going to the restaurant and cooking at night and mm-hmm. COVID was just crazy. Um, yeah. And I asked her to put toffee in there and she 
They, um, is they, that what's in there? Yeah. Okay. So it's a chocolate chip toffee cookie. Um, does she make the toffee? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does it, it taste homemade? I know people sometimes take, they buy those. No, she doesn't. That's no, a no, chocolate. No. Uh, this a brittle bar. I forgot yeah, what it's Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can probably buy brittle from like Chef's Warehouse. Yeah, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is, <laughs> no, they make it, you know. It's and, delicious. Yeah. That's not for they, breakfast, but I eat, yeah. actually, I like cookies for breakfast. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a thing, you know, like we're a bakery and like, you know, everybody has their version of the chocolate chip cookie. And like, mm-hmm. of course I could say one is better than the other, but it's just like a burger or a, everybody has their own take. And as long as it's, you care about it and you think it's really good, then. Well, I always tell people cookies are actually really hard. People, you know, my publisher is always like, you should write a cookie book. I'm like, you know, when you make cookies, each one has to be perfect because yeah. somebody's going to have one cookie. Like, yeah, yeah, and if, yeah. if one of them, um, you know, when you have a baking sheet of 12 cookies, one of them might bake faster than the other. So you really have to just stand there and look at them in the oven. Yeah. And they're hard. And this, I mean, this cook, this is the perfect cookie. And I'm sure the next one on the baking sheet tastes just the same. Yeah. But that's a skill. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I appreciate it. Well, you know. I we, would pay more than $5 for that cookie. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one too, right? It's yeah. Like, you know, the, it's uh, twice as big as the $5. <laughs> you could charge $10. <laughs> yeah. Well, Danielle and her sous chef Gabby, uh, they're amazing. They're so fun yeah. to work with and, and all their pastries are incredible. And the bakery is fun though. Like we were talking about it earlier that it's not your typical bakery. I always call it a bakery in restaurant clothes, like a wolf in sheep's clothes, but for mm-hmm. a bakery, you know, cause it's, okay. it is like, well, bakery, like in France, the bakery sell quiche, they sell sandwiches. Yes. So they're not, they bake the bread and they bake the quiche. Yeah. But all these things are baked, basically, or you know, yeah, or fried, or griddled, sautéed. Yeah. yeah, so it all works. Well, thank like you. Is a, is a pan? Is an American pancake a pastry or a bread? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have. <laughs> well, you know, have you had the pancakes at Chez Matant? No, are those the Japanese ones? They're, they're not. But I, I have this weird thing. Like when I, I think it's just because I for so long I lived in New York and I couldn't afford to eat out here. Mm-hmm. Like when I see a something on a in a food magazine or on eater you know mm-hmm. celebrating the pan i like to go you go there try the pancake because I'm, I'm not a big pancake person but it, sometimes yeah. they just it's like cartoon pizza it looks so good you know mm-hmm. like sometimes like there's something if, when people take these great pictures of pancakes it looks so good and i'm usually disappointed but i'll say i'm good friends with jake and aiden like I've just known them for a long time. We're not like uh-huh. good friends, but I love them. And they have these amazing restaurants like Crocodile and mm-hmm. the rooftop bar up, upstairs and the you know, associated restaurants there. Um, but also Chez Matant, the, the first concept in Greenpoint. It's like one of my favorite restaurants. It's just very simple, like French Canadian. There's so many good restaurants here. Like, yeah. And you're part of that whole <laughs> thing. I mean, so when I come here for a week, I, I can only eat like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's not like when I last saw you in Paris, when we were eating like four meals a day. And <laughs> yeah, well, you know, people do that in Paris, and they, yeah. you know, they're eating and they want to get all their food in. Yeah. And then, like the third day, because I used to lead tours, and everyone was eating all this food. And then, like the third day, people were like, I, "My stomach." Is yeah, bad. yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. They just want a salad. Yeah. Uh, I kind of hate doing it like that, but I had never been to Paris before that, and it was I was only there for three days, so it was mm-hmm. like. You know, we were yeah. just going to do it while we're here. Did we run into each other on the street? Was it just by chance? We by chance. Re- okay. I actually wanted I to forgot. reach out. We we're outside of Mokonats. Okay. And and I wanted to reach out to you because you always come to the bakery when you're here. Mm-hmm. But I, I was worried that, I, I think I just saw your uh, 
letter about people bothering you with recommendations because oh. you were like, I published the yeah. recommendations. They're here yeah. for you, neatly organized. Yeah. And then people write to me, they're like, do you have any secret recommendations? I'm like, well, <laughs> if, if they're secret recommendations, they're secret. Yeah, yeah. I don't, you know. But, you know, I, I just didn't want to be in your DMs bothering you. And uh, I figured, I, I, maybe if the, if the timing worked, but, you know, first day there, I see you at Mokinot, so I like, yeah. you know, I ran out. You were inside. I was inside okay. eating, and you were outside. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. It was so, such an amazing experience. So we discussed you coming to Paris and doing a pop-up, and I hope you do. I will be first in line <laughs> and probably last in line as well, just get back in line again. But I hope you do that. We would love to. I that, think it'll be fun. Yeah, well, it would certainly be a lot of fun, and we would love to, we'd love to do it. The interesting thing about France, or especially Paris, is in the old days, you know, even 15 years ago, Food was always kind of Frenchified. You know, right. they would take something and kind of tone it down or change it. Right. And now mm -hmm. that's changed. And a lot of the young people are, they want hot sauce. They want to try things. <laughs> yeah. They want authentic. So 10 years ago, I would have said, you know, don't, maybe it wouldn't right. work. And now you'd be a huge hit. You could actually open a bakery there. We we don't really need more bakeries, but <laughs> yeah. we have a lot of, we have 1,300 bakeries. Oh my gosh, yeah. But we could use a Taiwanese one, yeah, especially well, in my neighborhood, Taiwanese-American. Yeah, you yeah. Taiwanese-American-French. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, we would, that would be a dream. I, uh, you know, to even pop up, let alone open a place, that would be amazing. I, I, I think like most people that go to Paris fell in love with it pretty quickly. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I stayed... I think our hotel is very close to you. Yeah. Um, so it was like falling. We were destined a, to meet again. Yes. Yeah, our lives yeah. are destined to cross over and over. I, I think so at this point. Yeah. Like they have so many times, like they are. Like, yeah. yeah. There's something going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The well, spirits, things are, the planets are aligned. Yes. So if people come to New York or to Brooklyn, and actually if you're in Manhattan, you're right on the L line, which is very fast to get here. It's 15 minutes from central New York. Yeah. Central Manhattan, sorry. It's no, yeah. And I kind of urge you to come to Windsun Bakery because it's really, really good. It's very casual. You don't need a reservation. You can just walk in. The people are really friendly. You have great coffee. It's a great place to come in the morning, afternoon. And you have a restaurant across the street, which I haven't eaten at yet. Oh, you got to. Yeah. We'll take good care of you. It's on my list. Yeah. Yes. That's okay. Don't feel bad. I totally... It's almost... In New York, I'm sure same in France, if there's like a restaurant that you know is good and you haven't been to, mm -hmm. it's kind of nice because you have this ace in your back pocket and you're like, I can't wait to go there. Like I, I went to, there's a restaurant that opened right when Winston opened. I I never got to go and I was always like, God, why haven't I been there? Like, I love those people. I love their restaurants. Like, there's just why so much I good food in the world. Yeah. And everybody's busy. But, you know, I went with my wife on a date and we had like the best meal and it was so good and I knew it was going to be good and it was great to just like have this thing and our you know mm -hmm. to know to look forward to so I hope hope we can be that for you well last night I double booked <laughs> dinner by accident oh gosh um, I actually started using the google calendar and it showed things Paris time so oh yeah I was like oh I have two dinners and fortunately my friend who I was supposed to one of them texted me right before and he goes, looking forward to seeing you. I was like, uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so jet lag. Um, yeah. It's like all of a sudden I'm popular. I could, that's why I like coming to New York. I'm popular. All of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back home, I just hang out with Roman, but yeah. that's great. Trig, I am so happy to talk to you and I'm really glad that you took time out of your day to talk about Taiwanese pastries. And I want to go in the kitchen and watch you make 
Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's go check it out. We show you how to make these pancakes, and okay. I, I know Danielle will be excited to yeah. see you. She always is, and uh, and we can you know see what they're doing over there. I just I, have lunch in fifteen minutes. No, just oh. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> At the bakery, back to back food. There's one thing that I just wanted to touch on. You were asking about like what Taiwanese breakfast looks like mm-hmm. in Taiwan, and I just wanted to like you know, I've traveled all around Taiwan. No, not to every place, obviously, but just the island is relatively easy to circumnavigate. Mm-hmm. So then the trains are great, et cetera, et cetera. I've seen it in multiple cities and they have these charcoal ovens and they bake inside the oven. But while stuff is baking inside the oven, they take saobing that are like stretched laminated pastries, mm-hmm. savory with sesame seeds, and they mm-hmm. cook it on top of the charcoal oven while okay. stuff is baking inside. So I would say like, you know, along with soy milk and yotao and dojang and the mm-hmm. salbing that I just explained and fantuan like on the uh-huh. street and, you know, pancakes with, with an egg on mm-hmm. the side of the street, you know, like there, Taiwan is just such a, it's such a diverse culinary scene. And a lot of apartments are set up where, you know, people joke that like the oven is just for storage and mm-hmm. the tatong rice cooker from Taiwan is like the most popular cooking device because you can steam and Li- uh-huh. Lisa from Yunhai over here next to the bakery. She has a little retail shop. It's like incredible. Uh, okay. You must go. But like she has a cookbook, a mini cookbook with, you know, 12 to 20 recipes just based on the tatong rice steamer. And mm-hmm. they're like, they're like fashion accessories that cook the best food there. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the best way to really engaged Taiwanese cuisine mm-hmm. or besides like Clarissa Way or Kathy Irway's book or, you know, our book is great. Like mm-hmm. not, not promoting yeah. our book, but <laughs> yeah. to know what Taiwanese food is. Uh, um, I think Clarissa Way and, and Lisa's book with associated with the Tatong rice steamer, but mm-hmm. are, are great. But like back to the point is that Taiwan is really set up to be a grazing street mm-hmm. uh, vendor. Like, you know, you go to these amazing restaurants all over and you sit outside on and eat yeah. these amazing meals. Well, a friend of mine in San Francisco, he's Taiwanese American. His parents were born in Taiwan. And he keeps telling me he's going to take me to Taiwan. Yeah. And I think he promised this spring. Oh, cool. So I'm very, yeah. I might hit you up for more ideas. Please, I'll, I'll yeah. show up in your DS. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have a notice. No. Well, now we have, since yeah. Paris, we've had each other's numbers. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, uh, we have direct, yeah. a direct thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trig, it was great to see you. Thank you. Um, yeah, always. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks uh, for having me. Thank you all for listening. If you want to find show notes, there's some pictures of the pastries. They're going to be in my newsletter. That's at davidlebovitz.substack.com. And if you come to Brooklyn or New York, Manhattan, head over to Winsun Bakery, open at 9 a.m., open during the day, or there's a restaurant too, which you might run into me because I'm planning on eating there in the future. But for now, I'm very content with all these wonderful pastries. Thank you, Trig. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, pleasure to talk. Mm